Welcome to We the Women. This is our celebration of the 19th Amendment. Exactly 100 years ago, on August 18, 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified, giving women the right to vote. To celebrate, we'll be talking to women from around South Carolina, thought leaders, movers and shakers. We'll ask them about how they have used their voice and what they have done to contribute to our great democracy. Enjoy the conversation. In this episode, Post and Courier business reporter Emily Williams interviews Queen Quet, chiefess of the Gullah Geechee Nation. Well, thank you so much for, for being here today. I'm so excited. Yes, this is great. This will be a highlight of my pandemic, uh, my pandemic digest here. Yes. Yes. So you're celebrating 20 years. Yes. 20 years as, as chiefess, as, as head of state. Uh, for the Gullah Geechee Nation, and just congratulations. Thank you, thank you. But what has it been like to celebrate this at this kind of time, right? You typically would be with people face-to-face, I'm sure having your typical kind of celebrations. Mm-hmm. What has that been like? Well, it would have been atypical because it would have been plenty of weed together and things like that and all and kind of thing, and the going back Sullivan Island and all that. So normally our plan was on the 20th anniversary to go back to Sullivan's Island where I was installed and have a huge gathering. So it would have been atypical in that sense, um, just making sure we were back there again. But it, the typical thing would have been every month, every month, we had an event, and some of those events, such as our major festivals, were canceled because of the pandemic. So what we did for our international celebration that we normally hold the first Saturday in August, we moved it back to Gullah Geechee Family Day, which is the last Saturday in July, and did it virtually. So we did a virtual telethon, and a lot of people tuned in, and that was fun. And it was interesting to see how Gullah Geechis have adapted to connecting. So we're used to being face-to-face and oral, but people got to typing. They were like, hi, cuz, hey, so-and-so, you know. And it was great to read all the comments after I came off the air. And so at least now that can be replayed and replayed again on Gullah Geechee TV. So that's a plus. You know, like they say, there's always a silver lining in every cloud. What has it been like to be in your leadership role during this time, mm. trying to lead people from a distance, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I mean, but because I'm a computer scientist and most people know that, as I tell them, the computer is my drug of choice. A lot of people already know a long time ago, if you want to reach Queen Quet, you email her. Don't try to call her. Don't try to approach her in person email her. So it has been a blessing for me because now people know how to do that, right? And they do it with no excuse. And then the other thing has been, though, it has ramped up the types of connections, the types of interactions, a lot of people of African descent who weren't sure where their families came from are now having more time to do the genealogical research, the history they're focused on more. They're in the house with multi-generations. So now it becomes, wait a minute, why you sound like the lady I saw on YouTube, right? Because now grandma's, throw that thing over here. Grandma, what you say? Where'd that come from? And now they get online, they hear me, they find me and go, we're not sure if we're Gullah Geechee or not. Mm-hmm. 
but my grandmother sounds like you, <laughs> you know, you sound like my grandmother. You know, how, how is this connection? Are we Gullah Geechee? Then it's like, well, where are, where's your grandmother from? You know, give me some more background. Then they'll go back. So it's been really, really interesting. The amount of attention now that people are really paying, especially people of African descent, to where they're from and why that's important, as opposed to just being in survival mode. And, and I would think, too, in addition to us being at at home and online more because of this time, we also have this period of, of protest conversations uh, about about racial justice. And and I'm sure that that's sparking that interest. Major, major interest, because especially with Juneteenth, I've always celebrated Juneteenth from the time I heard of it decades ago. And I know a lot of people in Texas. I have a Queen Quet Day in Houston, Texas. We have the part of our Gullah Geechee diaspora is in Texas. And so that has always been a black holiday in Texas. And slowly it started spreading and people tried to make it a National Freedom Day. But that didn't take hold. Now, all of a sudden... You know, we had the protests. We laid Brother George Floyd to rest, God bless the dead. We had already laid Brother Ahmaud Arbery, who is a native Gullah Geechee, to rest. Unfortunately, had to lay Breonna Taylor to rest, and we still haven't finished getting that case resolved. Um, and so then when people took to the streets, once again, now what I had been saying for decades started to resonate with some people. And I started seeing me being tweeted about and me being posted about online and the Gullah Geechee Nation being talked about in the midst of this because they're like, well, they're a nation. Queen Quest been fighting for, for human rights. This is not just civil rights. This is human rights. And wonder what they have to say. And then the discussion as it continued to go in the direction of reparations and, you know, who has a right to use your name? All these types of topics started coming forward. And it actually made my life easier. The protest made my life easier because where I had been targeted individually and people have threatened my life because I spoke the truth to power, because I spoke about the so-called uncomfortable conversations in rooms where people wanted to just play like everybody gets along all the time. You know, there were people who just point like, I don't want to deal with her. I don't want to work with her and actually made death threats. Now here were millions of people saying the same thing. And not just here, but around the world, saying the same thing. So all I did was look up and go, thank you. You let me live to see a day such as this, a time such as this. And so I think it's critical that we don't lose the momentum of this hour and that people realize now that human rights are the issue and that we also have to dismantle racism. We can't ignore it. It is real. It does exist. It didn't go away. And so we have to deal with it. I feel like that has to be really validating for young people who are part of this movement now to find someone like you who has been mm. saying this for, for so long. I'm sure, mm. that, I'm sure that feels validating for, for them. I'm wondering if you've, if you've heard anything to that effect, mm -hmm. because if someone is, if, is younger, they... Uh, looking to someone like like you who has said mm -hmm. this for for so long mm -hmm. that has to feel validating for them and yeah 
too, right? Yeah, it, it does. And I'll give you a great example. Prior to all the protests, like I mentioned, we have Gullah Geechee Family Day the last weekend of July every year. Last year, we were at Mesquita Beach in Charleston County, and it was blazing hot. As you know here, Ihato chain thing like that. We like for crack we teeth and say, oh, great God, we talk, we've been a melt, all right? It was one of those 90-degree days, and in spite of the fact that we were out where the marsh was, there wasn't a breeze coming off the marsh. And so here we are getting ready to do a sacred ceremony, our libation ceremony. We open the circle to everyone that's there, whether you're Gullah Geechee or not. But that means when you enter that circle, you come into it with respect and love and reverence for our culture, our traditions, our land. There was an Anglo woman that got in the circle. We're steady having people coming through the gate, coming through the gate. So I'm saying to everyone, please move over going in both directions so that as they come in the gate, they can just join the circle right from there and the circle will keep getting tight. I said, don't be, don't, don't. There's not like now. We didn't have to distance. I said, this is going to get your family. They get with your family. Get as close as you can. So all of a sudden I'm realizing this side keeps moving. This side moves again. This side moves again. This side is not moving. So when I look, I say, oh, please move down, miss. She won't move. She's telling people because she's standing under some shade. She's standing under the overhang of the roof that her being the only Anglo person could stay under the shade. All the black folks need to go around her and go and keep moving down. But she could stay under the shade. I was through. I was so through. I had to make this a history lesson right there on the spot and point out how out of order that was that her privilege said to her that in spite of her being the minority here today and being at a sacred ceremony that we're letting her be a part of, that she would disrespect us by saying, well, you all move, but I don't have to move. And she actually said, oh, but I feel better here. Well, who else wouldn't feel good? All of us would feel good in the shade right now. But my ancestors were never allowed to be in the shade. When they were enslaved and they worked this exact same land that we were standing on, they couldn't sit in the shade and then work in the field at the same time. And so how dare somebody say, oh, you want to be comfortable, but us, we, you think we're comfortable in the burning sun? No, we weren't. But we respected the fact that we're here to honor those ancestors. So what is it going to hurt us to stand for a few minutes in the sun? They stood years in the sun on these sea islands and got nothing for it, no credit for it, nothing but abuse, especially if they've been a crackety like that and thing like that. People still abuse us for speaking our language, still abuse us for the color of our skin, still abuse us for who we are, who God made us to be, even though we be Gullah Geechee anointed people. And the word Gullah means people blessed by God. I wasn't going to allow someone to disrespect that anointing. So she went back and had the audacity to write us an email saying, oh, I felt insulted today um, when I attended the event. Queen Quet insulted me. I was going to give a donation, but I didn't give um, a large donation again because of that. She learned nothing. She still felt that her money was what was of value and not the people, even though we're the black gold, we're the richness. So a young lady that day 
who was a Gullah Geechee, native Gullah Geechee, and their whole family reunion had attended. And they came with their elders, and it was an intergenerational family group because they said, if Queen Quet is hosting this, this is where we need to be because we need to learn who we are and make sure that everybody in this family understands the value of being Gullah Geechee. We're not just black people. We're native Gullah Geechees. This young lady, I believe I asked her how old she was, and she, I think her mom said she was 15 years old. She hugged me so hard. She just came running up to me before they left, and I just was squeezed like this. And You know, them hugs we want now, right? She hugged me so hard, and I'm looking down, and I was like, she said, Queen, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you because never in my life have I seen one of us Speak to a white person and explain who we are to them the way you did. And that just gives me so much pride. And I'm just so honored. Oh, I'm so glad we came here today. I'm so glad we came here today. So from that day last year to being at this point this year and having the whole world evolve to being the embrace, to getting Instagram posts, getting Twitter retweets that go Oh, Queen Quet is great. I love her. Please keep giving us knowledge. Please keep giving us your wisdom to go on Facebook Live, which I don't do often. But during the pandemic, I was spiritually led a few times to go on there live and just speak our legacy, our story as inspiration. Hey, fill up. And these, when you go and look at the pictures, unless, you know, people do lie on social media, their pictures show that these are young people. These are people in their 30s, their 20s, their teens that are like, I love Queen Quet. We love you. We're with you. We're so glad you are a queen because you speak about it and you, you know, you don't compromise what you're saying, you know. And it's so many different comments, especially from young women that are like, thank you. I mean, young women around the world, all different ethnicities are like, I love you. You inspire me when I think I can't do it. I go listen to one of your videos and I know I can do it. And that just makes such a big difference. And now to know it's inspiring them to know they have a voice and they have a right to use that voice. You have a right to do it. And so it's a blessing. Like I said, this has actually made my life easier and I'm loving it. The Intertech Group and the Zucker family are proud to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. Like you said, this is something that has happened after having to go through years of a very different experience, right? Absolutely. Um, th- threats in, in some instances. I, I want you to, to take me back to 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you remember from that day? Was it July 2nd? Yeah, July 2nd. 2000 and interest on Sullivan's Island. And I picked this up right now intentionally because it's blue indigo and white label because that's one of the things from that day was having things that represented our culture spread out at Sullivan's Island. And indigo, a lot of people know, represents Gullah Geechee's. Water. Being on Sullivan's Island at the ocean going to the water. When I got there with my family, 
Sullivan's Island was probably like it would be if you and I left right now and went over there. Very few people walking around, things like that. Open grass, open space. So we're past the fort and we're going toward the ocean side and then we brought all of these things, the mortar and pestle, the cast net, the, the sweetgrass baskets, all these things that are representative and iconic that say, we be Gullah Geechee. And they were spread out in a circle on the ground. So when it was almost time for the ceremony, the elders start showing up and everything, and few people start showing up. But now they walked around the sand dune to the ocean when we went there to prepare. And so we did our prayers and everything. To this day, I tell people, I don't know if they airlifted them people in there or what. Because if when I went behind that dune, there were 50 people or so, when they marched me back out from behind that dune within a half an hour, there were about 5,000 or more people out there. And I still to this day, where did those people come from? You know, that quick, like it was as if everybody knew what time the ceremony started and they all arrived together on buses or something or were airlifted and just dropped there. I mean, the drums sounded, the incense was lit, the broom started to sweep, the dancers started to dance, and they all were ahead of me, leading me in, and my family members were behind me, and the different elders were kind of to my left and the right. When scriptures say throngs, that word doesn't mean a lot in modern-day language. I learned what a throng was that day. Because here, as they're trying to lead me out, there's photographers and there's videographers and there's all this news media there. There are media trucks there with huge satellites on them from not just the low country, but around the world. BBC and Vibe magazine had people there. Press that we didn't know was there until the clipping services and people started emailing me, did you see this one? Did you see that one? And so, you know, Google wasn't no thing then, right? Um, so we were getting all of this stuff that people were just emailing and sharing and we're looking up things and we're finding stuff after the fact. I mean, for like a month later, this just kept going and going and being called like, oh, you're the new queen. Can we talk to you? You know, what does this mean? But that day, I will never forget that it started feeling like I'm not awake. Like, there's no, this has to be a dream, right? Because I was just out here and there really was nobody here. And now I'm seeing all these people. Oh, yeah, it's a dream. I, I didn't wake up yet to go to Charleston. That's how I felt. And so I'm chained. I'm actually chained up, coming from the water, the same way our ancestors were, chained coming from that ocean, coming toward the pest houses. And as I'm coming out, I'm hearing languages, all different languages being spoken. People are essentially speaking in tongues. There's all kind of African languages being spoken. So finally, I, re I can remember when for a moment it was like, I broke out of this thing and, and was there in that moment. There was a man laying on the ground on his back with the camera up. This is how much he wanted to shot. And all I'm thinking is, 
I can't move like this. I can't move left or right. There's throngs of people. So he's going to get stepped on. I remember that distinctly. You are getting stepped on. And so just as I was getting right about to step on him, he rolled and he rolled out of the way. The photo he took is the one that went all over the world because this angle of the shot, it had to be him because the angle of the shot was me walking. And you can even see in the image that my eyes, it's like I'm in trance. I'm somewhere else. And the chains are here. And he shot from up here. And that picture ended up in Vibe magazine. Janet Jackson was on the cover. And inside the article said, Strong Islanders. And there I was. And I remember when I got to the center of that circle, where all those items were, somebody, it was a woman, said, let her go. And when she said, let her go, a whole bunch of people started crying out, let her go. And I dropped on my knees. And if someone was going to approach to undo the chains, they didn't have to. When I dropped on my knees, the chains fell off by themselves. And the drum started sounding. And people started... I mean, there was a shout that broke out. There was an energy that broke out that could never be replicated. It was amazing. And so after those moments, it was almost like, okay, I still was like, okay, at some point I'll wake up and we'll go to Charleston. It was still surreal. It's only after it all happened. And a week later, like I said, where people are now emailing and calling, can I talk to you? I'm with BBC. Can I talk to you? I'm with NBC. Can I talk to you? I'm with the newspaper. Or we were there Saturday when you got in school and then seeing the papers, having people call, you want to cover the paper? You know you want to cover the paper? Oh, I got the paper. You better get the paper. You know, because that's how Gullah Gisha do. I don't get the store gala paper. The paper going to sell up because you want to cover the paper gala. We do want to cover the paper. Oh, we so proud of you. Right? And sure enough, having cousins go rush to the supermarket. Oh, we had to go to two store. They don't sell out the paper because you better on cover. You know, and I'm like, what? You know, and it's like it still didn't hit till you're holding the paper. And you read the article and said, yeah, you were awake. That happened. For real. It really happened. You're now the queen. Now what happens next? You know, so that was a powerful day. It's a day that made world history that I think a lot of people here neglect to realize that that was the first time in the history of North America that people of African descent came together and elected their own leader. And Gullah Geechee's are the first group of people of African descent to ever stand on the human right to self-determination. And to say they also determined that I had done enough work that proved that I would be an effective leader for who we don't anything like that. Like the petition that they signed for a year. They, my election was a one-year election, a one-year, not a one-day election, that said, who speak for we? And to have my people believe in me enough to say, you can speak for us, and we want you to do that, means everything in the world to me. And to have them stand that day and to have other people from around the world stand with us and say, this is a good thing you're doing. This is a necessary thing you're doing. It was powerful.
you know. And so when I see photos every now and then, somebody finds a photo and they send it to me, it's like reliving the whole thing. And so it was so glorious and so beautiful that shine of the black gold truly was polished that day. And so it was a blessing because the irony of the day was it was July 2nd. And that was also the day that Denmark Vesey had been hung for planning, not even accomplishing, but planning an uprising in Charleston. So to come back to Charleston on July 2nd, all that time later, and say, we're here now, and we're still standing for our freedom. Wow, how powerful is that? That's why those drums were beating so hard, and that's why we shouted so much. It's a blessing. Feel good about getting a great haircut with the Great Care Promise at Great Clips. From contactless online check-in to requiring masks for both stylists and customers, it's our commitment to helping keep everyone as safe as possible in the salon. Check in online and get a ready next text when you're next. Great Clips, it's going to be great. All salons are independently owned and operated. Contact your local salon for specific safety measures. So I want to go back even further from mm. that to how you got to that point. Ah, yes. Not just, not just the year-long election, mm-hmm. but at, at what point in your life did you realize you this was going to be your life's work? Mm. being a, a leader um, for your your community. I guess I'm just curious, can you tell me more about how you grew up? Did you always grow up knowing about Gullah Geechee culture? Mm. And when did you first realize that that was going to be your, your work? Well, it's interesting. I didn't realize this was going to be my work until after my installment. I had no intention of this being my work. I didn't grow up wanting to be a queen or anything like that. Um, I love reading. I love math. So I expected that my life would be circling those things, you know. And But it was interesting because even while I was a straight-A student in school all the way K through 12 and then college graduated with honors, my focus was always about black history. I loved black history. And one of the things as a computer scientist that I wanted to do was to actually create um, some sort of at that time, we were talking about artificial intelligence. We just going to date myself now. Now, we were just calling it artificial intelligence. People had, didn't have video games per se just yet, but that was my vision. I would like to create a game on a computer that teaches people black history and teaches, it, teaches math in fun ways. So because those were two things that people seemed like they were afraid to deal with, you know, and especially for girls, because when it came down to scientific things, they used to try to tell girls, oh, that's kind of not your thing. And I'm like, how is it? I love that. What do you mean it's not our thing? It's so easy to me, right? You know, and so I thought, well, maybe if this could go out as instructional things, but in a fun way people would enjoy it. So I started doing my own genre presenting called histomusical presentations. And over time, I called myself the artivist because I do my activism through the arts. So even as a youth, I was actually educating people about Gullah Geechee culture and land, not ever thinking it would lead to where I am today and that that would take me around the world. So growing up, it was always about the community coming together. It would usually be about, well, somebody needs help. 
just like that. It wouldn't even be phrased any other way. Like, these folks need help. Okay, what kind of help they need? Well, a house burned down. We'd gather things. We'd help that person. Or they don't have the money to pay their taxes. Okay, let's have a fish fry. Well, can come, somebody come do something? Okay, get Quetta. She'll come and she'll present and then that'll be fun and people will learn and then we can raise the money. And, and I would do that. Never thinking these dots are connecting. Never thinking that once I got my own computer and I would sit there and start to navigate it with AOL, America Online, okay, that I would get on this thing called the Internet and then set up a website, the first website to exist in the world dedicated to Gullah Geechee culture, and to start to get emails every day and start to want to read every day about my culture so that I could share things on email. Then people would come to me and say, we want to help you spread the word more. There's this thing called a listserv. Okay, how does that work? Learn how that works. Now we're spreading the word to more and more people. But most of what we do, pick up the radio, pick up the phone and call the radio station. Hey, we need to do this. This is going on. They're trying to displace this family. And that would get so much more attention. Then learn to do press releases, all that. So it was a, a journey that I didn't even realize, realize I was on. I was just using what skills that I had to do just what I always did. Somebody in my community needs help. How can I help? How do I bring those skills there to help? So that's really what led up to it. And then it led to the moment where one of the emails that came was from a man named Dr. Yusuf N. Cly, and he's deceased now, God bless the dead. But this email said, well, I would love to talk to Miss Goodwine because I see the work she's doing for Gullah Geechee. I'd love to talk to her about human rights and that work. Can I have a phone number? Sure, sent the phone number. I get a call from Canada and come to find out Dr. Cly was the founder and director of the International Human Rights Association for American Minorities. So he ends up talking to me about how these are human rights issues, that what I've been fighting for is beyond land rights. It's beyond just saying, well, it's not fair, <laughs> right? And if you want to take this message to the United Nations, we'll help you. I said, yeah, why not? That was my answer. Sure, let's do it. Thinking... All I got to do is go to the U.N. in New York until they say, "Okay, well, we're going to be emailing you again and someone's going to call you. They'll need more information. Okay, then they go, "Okay, send your passport over. Send my passport. Why I got to send my passport to go to Manhattan. Right. Didn't realize. No. They needed my passport because they were buying an airline ticket because I needed to go to Switzerland. So I ended up in Geneva, Switzerland, and spoke there on April 1st, 1999, and became the first Gullah Geechee in world history to speak there on the human rights of Gullah Geechees. So every step from a child to that moment was orchestrated by God. It wasn't my design. If anybody would have asked me, what were you going to do when you grow up? I expected to be making six figures for sure, but sitting somewhere doing something related to numbers. And so I studied computer science. I studied engineering. So like I tell people, I expected to have on a big, thick sweater somewhere in somebody's lab creating and not being with people. 
You know, I'm very comfortable not talking. Folks are surprised that I can spend weeks not talking to anybody, and I would be fine. My books and I get along very well. My computer and I get along very well. We can be comfortable. And so I was amazed when it was like, no, no, need you to come here and talk. Need you to go ahead and talk. I need you to go ahead and talk. And even when you talk about growing up, I remember not wanting to talk. Like, you know, I guess some girls go through that at school. You don't want to be the one to talk. And then the teacher calls on you anyway. I didn't have my hand up. I would say that my hand wasn't up. And like, I know your hand wasn't up, but I know you know the answer. Now you come up here in front of the class and you do this. And I would go, why did they do this? And now when I look back over my life, I'm like, well, I guess I'm glad they did it, you know, because they pushed me to go forward. Don't shrink back. Don't go back. Go forward. And so when I'm when I encounter my teachers now, they all tell me they have scrapbooks about me and how they knew I was going to do something great. And I think all their confidence, all their prayers, all the knowledge I gained about who we were for my family as we were growing up is what made the difference. My family is very strong in terms of our culture and our cultural traditions from fishing to hunting to farming the land and still living on the land where our ancestors had been enslaved. And so all of that was just, again, just who I am. This y'all who we be and things like that. This y'all what we to do. And say, people that sit down and say, let me learn you this. When nobody sat us down and said, here's a class, you Gullah Geechee. No, I lived it. And I just felt like if I'm living this, what's wrong with it? So when people would make jokes and try to tease us and harass us who spoke Gullah, I was insulted by it and I was incensed by it. But because my personality is such that I'm a doer, not a talker, I would get up and do something about it, you know, and and make it clear this is not a joke. Now, just because you're mad because you can't speak our language, how dare you? You know, think that you're going to tease my friends or my cousins or anybody because I'll talk to you like this, but then I can draw them down like I did show and everybody ready for draw them down like I did show. And honey, ain't better than we could tell them to draw them down no next week. And then people go, oh, right? And so then in school when I learned Spanish, I started realizing, hey, wait a minute. These are all languages. These are just different mechanisms of communication. So why is Spanish right? English is right. French is right. Why would Gullah be wrong? It's not. It never was. So that became a fight, too, to fight to make sure our language was respected and that the people who speak that language is respected. So that's still the, that's still the battle in some arenas. But fortunately, at this moment, like you and I have been talking about, with people protesting for the rights of people to just be who they are, that that makes all the difference in the world. And so it's a moment that I'm glad that all these steps have led me to. It's a beautiful thing. I wanted to ask you about part of that aspect of keeping that language alive, keeping the the culture alive, and and also it seems like the complication of wanting to educate people, but also wanting to... Um, 
I guess there's always there's always a, a risk there in putting that information out there of mm. someone else taking that, appropriating it yeah. when it isn't their culture. Absolutely. And and I know that's one of the issues that you're dealing with now. Um, yes. And that it that kind of comes with keeping it keeping it out there, keeping yes. aware of it, but also that difficult dynamic. Absolutely. How have you been dealing with that lately? How have you been seeing that? manifest lately well it's interesting you mentioned lately because it ain't new it's not new um one of the things i don't do is translations and people will often wonder why doesn't she translate and i get very annoyed when i hear people attempting to say they're translating gullah it just irks my spirit because one of the things in our gullah geechee nation constitution is that gullah is a code of the spirit And I feel like it is something sacred, so it's not to be played with. And what I've witnessed over decades now is people who are people of African descent, but they're not Gullah Geechee, um, going ahead and saying, well, oh, if I can get my hands on this story. And first it would be everything from Uncle Remus' tales to um, some other folklore that they've read. And they try to put some kind of twang on it and say, well, they are Gullah storyteller. No, (laughs) that's... That doesn't make you a gullah storyteller. And then people started doing things like going back and they found recordings and and stories that were actually written by Anglo people. And they started saying these are gullah. And then they would try to perform those. And I'm like, but do you realize who actually wrote that and how racist that is? And I said, do you realize whose perspective that's told from? That's not ours. And they go, oh, it's not. I'm like, no, it's not. You need to check your facts. And so people would put out a lot of misleading stuff. So like you say, now to counteract that, we wanted to put the truth out there. But now once we start putting the truth out there, you have to know what you want to tell and when you want to tell it. But you don't give away your vibranium. Okay, you can show the plants, but don't give away the vibranium. Okay, and so you have people constantly coming in, moving in from all other ethnic groups other than Gullah Geechee, wanting to come in and get it all. They want your vibranium because, like, if y'all have the power to keep your language through all this other degradation, the attempts to just eliminate black people, period, eliminate African culture from North America, if you did it, ooh, that's a treasure. And they come on this treasure hunt, wanting our language. So uh, for years, people were told we were backward and ignorant if we've been to crack, we teeth like this, shame thing like that anyway. So people stopped speaking in the public, and that actually turned out to be a good thing. So now academics would say, well, they're insular, they're clannish, they're isolated, because they could not get in and get all the words from the people. They couldn't get in and get all the stories from the people. They couldn't get in and get the knowledge of our herbology and things from the people. People now started to do other things. They would alter. They'd speak Geechee in front of them and not speak Gullah. They would just switch, code switch, and just speak English. They would, you know, because why? Because we knew when they started coming with tape recorders first, and then they started coming with video cameras. Now they come with cell phones that have all of the above on them. They're coming to get it so they can go make money off it. And they don't care whether we live or die after that, because even if we're dead and gone, they can become museum curators and say, look what I got. I got their vibranium 
and I'm growing it and y'all pay me for it. And it gets repackaged from a perspective of someone else and not from living people who are the Gullah Geechis. And so it becomes a double-edged sword trying to express that truth and protect it at the same time because there are some people who value nothing other than money, who value nothing except their own ego. And so if they can be the one to say, oh, I'm doing this now, then they do it. I watched a television show the other night wherein they came to St. Helena Island, where I'm a native of. We have 10,000 plus Gullah Geechis on that island. And you mean to tell me you couldn't film all Gullah Geechis for a Gullah Geechee episode that wasn't more than 30 minutes? You found two black people who are married to each other that moved to the island and you filmed them? in the episode, and you don't even catch the fact that they say, the Gullah people do this and the Gullah people do that. You would never say the Emily does this and the Emily does that. You would say I. So if you hear those words, words are important, you know that's not a Gullah Geechee. And Retta was all I had to do is ask him for crack of teeth. So all you had to do is say, hey, why don't you speak some Gullah? That would have helped you right there. But they didn't do it, and that's part of the exploitive practices we've witnessed now that's still going on, that unfortunately, because things have become what I call Hollywoodized and museumized, people think that the first glance at seeing something that just says it's something that they're not used to seeing, like Gullah, oh, that got to be real. Not all of it's real. A lot of it is staged to entertain you. Well, what I do is edutain. And I do artivism so I can teach you and teach you what we're fighting for and how we're holding on to it and teach you also to respect when we say, don't come any further. This is all we got to give you. The rest of the stuff belongs to us. Yeah. I would think that's getting more complicated, not less, right? It is. As much as I think... uh, there's a lot of well-intentioned interest. Right. Also, that just means people have to be even more careful. Exactly. And do more due diligence. And to me, like I mentioned, when I started up the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition more than two decades ago, the Internet was a new thing. So what's the excuse now? You not only have the Internet, you have it in your pocket. Okay, you don't have to carry around this whole building we're in. That's how big computers were. That's how big the CPU was. You don't need something that big. You have a personal digital assistant that will let you pull up information on how to reach us. Why not reach out to us and let us teach you who we are? Stop going and trying to go on um, online websites that are not Gullah Geechee to find if you can find books. You can find some academics paper that they wrote about us. Or you can go watch somebody TV show who's not Gullah Geechee doing this TV show because their corporate interests just find us interesting. So they want ratings right now. They want something exotic right now. Even in the midst of these protests, something black right now. We just want to show some black people because we want to look like our station is anti-racist. But that doesn't mean you're anti-racist. It just means that you found another way to capitalize on, again, people of African descent. The way we got here, capitalize on these Africans. So that's all it means. And if you really have respect for the culture, you would step back, sit down, and listen. As we say, yeti we. Don't go just hunting 
on your own and then trying to set up something and use our name in your brand name. And we've seen all kind of non-Gullah Geechee people doing that. And then once we call it out, you want to tell us, oh, but we were paying homage to you. That's not the way you pay homage to anybody. You respect the person. You would have a conversation with them to find out, is that all right, before you go forward. But after you make all this money and we say it's not correct, your behavior is out of order, then you say, well, oh, my bad. I thought I was paying homage. You thought nothing of the sort because you never sent one red cent to any of us. And that's of anybody. It's not just, you know, Anglo people do it. We have African-Americans do it. We have all kind of people that have come in and said, this is, oh, this is unique. I, I like that. Oh, I went to their festival and I saw what they did. I'd like to replicate it. I'm an artist. Can I just copy that? No. Let us tell our story. And you support us in telling that story. You support our businesses, economically empower us. And then that enfranchises our next generation. That makes sure that they're empowered to go on and be here. Like I say, we the Binya, we in the Guayana with the Altal. On that note, for anyone who is watching this, listening to this, what are some of the ways that you would want them to, if they are interested in learning from um, from the source, contributing in a way that's meaningful, uh, what would you suggest? I definitely suggest if you are in the Gullah Geechee Nation from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, seek out the Native people. They may not be the ones with a storefront business. Just go around the communities and see if there are elders and community people that live the culture. And if you can talk to them, you may find out they're having a fish fry to raise money to keep the school open. Go there and support that. That's first and foremost. For those of you who want to advance the cause from where you are, even in the midst of the pandemic, we have a GoFundMe fundraiser for Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy. You can contribute there because that's how we keep the land in the hands of Gullah Geechee families and educate the world about who we be down here and things like that. And make sure we're represented at the UN and other places where necessary, even in the courtrooms where we have court battles. So you can donate there. We have a cash app donation, dollar sign, Gullah Geechee Nation. We have the Gullah Geechee Angel Network, which is our official 501c3 for the Gullah Geechee Nation. You can always donate there. If someone was going into Florida, we have the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Committee of Northeast Florida. These are all actual native-owned and operated groups. The Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition is for everybody in the world to become members of, that love our culture, that want to see it thrive and survive. Anybody can join. They can become members and they can become supporters and contributors. They can find us at gullahgeechee.net. They can find gullahgeechee.nation.com and gullahgeechee.nation.com has all these links to all these places and to Gullah Geechee TV and Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio and our events. They're all on there. So you know if you go to gullahgeechee.nation.com, everything on there has been vetted. Everything on there is Gullah Geechee. It's authentic. You don't have to wonder about it because if it's not, we're not posting it, okay? And if it's a partnership or collaboration, we make it clear that this person has worked with us to present this, whether it's a novel, whether it's a film, whether it's a clothing line, for that matter, you know, that this is something Gullah Geechee inspired versus Gullah Geechee owned and operated. So we've made it easy, but people want to make our job hard. 
They want to redo what we've done. If we're already in the car, you don't need to reinvent a wheel. We ride already. Just get on in and ride with us. You know, if we're in the boat and we're already going with the oars, that's cool if you bring a motor. But don't put a hole in the boat. We don't want you to sink us with foolishness and craziness that you find the Internet. Because as a computer scientist, that has been a double-edged sword, too, seeing how this information highway has gotten flooded with foolishness um, and some things that are so inaccurate as beyond belief. So it's always best to go to the source, go to the source and crack your teeth with the people and things like that and yeti who they be from them. And so even when we talk about us as women and us celebrating who we are and celebrating our strength and our power, what sense would it make to talk to guys about what it's like to be women? That wouldn't make sense. So it's the same thing. Why would you talk to somebody who's not Gullah Geechee and let them lecture to you about our traditions? Come to we. We can crack with teeth too. And you notice we can speak more than one language. We can talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Today I really enjoyed this and I just really appreciate you being here. Yes, and Emily, I sure appreciate being here. And you know, all this time we've been talking and we've been talking and we're talking. I don't think it'd be right for us not to just hold the end of the flag. It's keep, we got to stay apart, but let's not be apart. Now let's keep the anointing and the blessing going for all the women of the world and for all the cultures still fighting to stand on their land. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And we are the women. We did it all Yes. W.K. Dixon specializes in creative engineering solutions to help make our local communities better, safer, and sustainable places to live. Having served community infrastructure needs for nearly a century, W.K. Dixon knows that great design and great people make for great communities. We the Women is a special series of the Posting Courier in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. To enjoy all 19 interviews, visit postincourier.com backslash we the women.